The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at www.upc.org forward slash university. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 47th and 16th in Seattle's U District. Well, if you are here for the first time, uh, again, I want to welcome you. My name is Ryan, one of the guys on staff here at the Inn, and we are so glad that you chose to take time from studying for midterms to be with us. Uh, Great to have you here. Uh, Before I introduce our speaker tonight, as we continue our series on Galatians, I have a couple of things that I want to let you know. First uh, is you could get one of these uh, sweet aluminum water bottles that say the inn on them for the low, low price of $8. And, and not only that, not only, but wait, there's more than just, than just your water bottle. Any proceeds uh, that, that we make on this will go to help us build concrete floors uh, during our spring break trip to the Dominican Republic. So per, perhaps uh, some of you... Found yourself going, you know, um, I'm not going on the DR trip, but uh, I want to support those uh, that are going. One way to do that is to pick up uh, an in-water bottle so that we can can help build some sanitary floors uh, for some uh, families in the Dominican Republic. Also, in the same way, if you say, you know what, I don't want the bottle. Uh, this is, I think this is pretty cool, but everything that goes in the giving box between now and the end of the quarter, we're going to do the same thing, and it will be a gift from this community to those families in the Dominican Republic. So join us in reaching out uh, to those in the DR in uh, one of those ways. Again, uh, like Ceci said in her witness, uh, one of the ways that we discover what God is up to all the more, and even in our own lives, is through mission opportunities and deputation applications are due tonight, uh, but if tonight is the night that it kind of struck you, hey, I should do this, uh, it is definitely not too late. Uh, just go talk to Nolan over there tonight, and I'm sure he would love to give you the details of what spending a summer uh, someplace with a group of, of others might look like. It's going to be a good time. Uh, now, for those of you that were at our winter retreat uh, over the weekend, and yeah, about 170 of you were... Uh, you may have got uh, familiar with our speaker tonight, and for those of you that have ever wondered what it might be like uh, to hear Keanu Reeves preach, you're in for a treat tonight. Uh, to hear what uh, Neo from The Matrix might say out of the, the book of Galatians, you're going to be glad you came, that's for sure. Uh, because the, the, guy, the guy that's speaking tonight not only bears uh, a strong resemblance to said movie star, but is uh, to boot a really uh, a really smart guy that goes uh, along with it. He was formerly a college pastor um, outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, is back uh, serving uh, as a therapist uh, here in Seattle. And Dave is one of these guys that that when him and I hang out together and you know go and and uh, maybe you know share an adult beverage someplace, he's one of these guys. Yeah, I said it. I, that's right. Uh, he's one of these guys that as you talk to, you can't help but be totally honest with. He's one of these guys that even if I wanted to lie to Dave, and I don't, I couldn't. 
he's just one of those guys that, that for whatever reason, um, in the moment, you want to share openly with him and you want to hear the truth that he has to say to you. And I know that you're in for a treat tonight because he's going to do just that. So please give a warm in welcome to my buddy, Dave Lutz. Hi. Hi. I feel like I'm absolutely blinded right now. Okay. Um, let's pray. God, thanks for every single person in this room. And Lord, I want to pray for the people in this room right now that are not sure why they're here. And they are either really busy and they've got stuff to do and their mind is half here and half on something else or they're kind of a relationship issue and they're thinking about that and they're barely knowing where you are in their lives. I want to pray, God, that tonight would be something that would be a special meeting between you and them, that they would walk out of here not only knowing you, but know that they are known by you. That you see their story, that you know the details of their lives, that the little things matter to you. I want to pray for... um, The people like I was when I was in college that had to be asked six times before I finally said yes to come to the end. I want to pray for those people that are skeptical. I'm thankful that they're here. I'm thankful that they're willing to check it out. I want to pray also for the people that are really feeling your presence in their lives right now and are just joyful. I'm thankful for for them being here too. It's contagious and I, I... Lord, I just want to ask you that, uh, that, uh, that their contagious spirit would uh, just spread around this place. Take this time tonight, God, and you do what you want with it. We want you to um, you teach us from your word and um, sift these words out. Uh, we know that Paul is trying to get a lot out. And um, so to make this something, Lord, that we can take away, uh, we're going to need your help in your, in, by your spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, hello. Um, I, uh, it's good to be here. I, I love um, being here. And um, the, uh, this is actually where I went. I went I'm a Husky grad. I went, to, went here. And actually, this is where I came when I was really in that place in my life where I was feeling like, you know what? Either, either God is, is real and God is everything or he's nothing. And I really remember those nights where I went out. I was in the Greek system. I remember walking out of the front yard of our, of our place and looking up into the sky and, and just saying, okay, God, um, I don't want to mess around. I don't want to just do church. I don't want to just kind of pretend like I've got these beliefs. I, I really want to know if, if you really are who you say you are. Um, and that prayer began a series of events in my life that just utterly transformed me, including coming here. Um, and eventually sitting down with a director and, and um, him naming some stuff in my life and pointing me in a certain direction. Um, and so I want to challenge you, um, if you haven't, I want to challenge you to knock on the door of Ryan Church and, and Janie Stewart. I want to challenge you. Those are two of the, two of the finest people I know, and um, uh, they know I feel that way about them. But um, if you want to talk about incar- incarnational ministry, ministry where it really is about being with you, they embody that. Um, and I want to challenge you to take advantage of that. Sometimes you don't know that you can walk up to them and say, you know what, I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk, just tell you about my life and see what you've got to say. Um, they're all about that. 
So I want to challenge you with that. Um, we are um, in the book of Galatians. And I want to tell you, I listened to Jordan's talk. I talked with Jordan a little bit over the retreat, and then I went and listened to his talk online. And boy, oh boy, he did a great job. And, and um, I'm really impressed with him taking, I was just telling Ryan, this is not an easy book. Paul is in the middle of a heated Debate, And you can imagine what it would be like to have a debate over a letter. It's not like email where you fire off. You ever written an email where you just go, you send? Shouldn't have sent that. <laughs> undo, undo, undo. You know, those, those. Paul is in the middle of, he is just firing it off. And what I love about this is that I had to read this thing so many times. And I just, was, I kept, I, me and Paul and I, we have a little bit of a dialogue. I'm like, Paul, what? Like, is that really the argument that you wanted to make right there? You know, I'm like, when I get to heaven, Paul and I are going to sit down. I'm going to go, couldn't you have combed it out a little bit? You know, edit a little, just kind of, you know, make it a little bit more. What are you getting at? Um, but what I love about God, and there's a, there's, a, there's a message for me in this, is that I can try to, you know, especially doing a talk or if you've got a paper you've got to write, I love that, that God didn't have him do that. That there's this sense of, of, of God going, done, send it, as is. That's my word. Because what you capture in this is this pounding heart of Paul. You guys kind of know a little bit of the background. You know that there's this group of people that he is literally raised up. And they had this moment. What evidently has happened is that Paul was with them and he was sick. And it was one of those kind of sicknesses that's not a pleasant sickness. You can tell you're in a great relationship when they've seen you puke and they still love you. And eventually, after many toothbrushes and toothpaste, they will kiss you again. Um, that's a good relationship. Well, they have evidently seen Paul kind of at his bodily worst. And he's actually going back to that and recounting that and saying, you guys saw me at my lowest. And I saw in that moment when we were all together, there was something about it that was just free and light and joyful. Because my heart beats for you guys. And what I'm, watch, what I'm watching you do, he's talking to them, what I'm watching you go back to is killing me. Because you're going back to what you, you knew. You're going back to the way that you were. Um, I need... How many people in this room would count themselves as extroverts? Extroverts. Only two? You guys are all introverted? Man, this is a different group. All right. All right, we get, we get, we got one. Come on up here. What's your name? Max. Max, come on up here, Max. And, and then who's another? I need a girl. Well, yeah, yeah, there we go. Great. What's your, oh, I recognize you. What's your name? Marissa. Marissa, come on up here, Marissa. And you're Max? Yeah. Max, meet Marissa. Marissa, Max. Um, I like to get everybody with the same first initial in their name. So that's good. Um, here's what I want you guys to do is I want to pretend like the three of us are in this really ultra cool hip club. It's just us three, okay? I mean, we haven't gotten other members yet, but right. It's us three, right. We're just going to sit here and you guys aren't in it, okay? All right, it's just us three. We're in this super cool club. But what we need is a handshake. I mean, we need like the top of the line handshake. And, you know, because back when I was in the Greek system, I know that there was a lot of houses that had really cool handshakes. And that was kind of how you knew that we were in there. And you know how I knew that was because you go to a party and they'd forget that you weren't in their house and they'd come up and give it to you uh, accidentally. So that was what they would do. So, uh, you know, they still do that. So let's just not even pretend. They're, oops, just gave you my secret handshake. Okay, so 
the, um, what I want you guys to do is you guys are going to do that. You guys are going to make it up for us, okay? So I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to kind of go through the scripture. And when you guys come back, you'll teach it to me, okay? So you guys got to go. And it's got to be like super cool, all right? Make, yeah, the, be- the more complicated, the better. Okay, great. Max and Marissa and me are in the cool club. All right. You guys might be able to join. You don't know. All right, let's do this. Um, we're going to pick it up in chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up, although you won't be able to really see, will you? Okay. Um, here's the deal. I always make this little pitch. I want to challenge each one of you to find yourself a Bible that you can start to mark up. It's Now's the time. I want to tell you one of the best gifts I ever got was from my grandmother who gave me my grandpa's Bible. And my grandpa, what he had done is he had just started marking in his and he put a little date. And he'd start writing his thoughts down. And I never really knew my grandpa. But she gave it to me when I was about probably about 20. And I got his Bible and it was like suddenly a way for me to know what he was thinking. I'd read down the line and some of those thoughts I'd be like, man, he was so smart. And then I'd read some of the other ones I'm like, Grandpa, what were you thinking? I have no idea. But I want to challenge you because here's the reason. That, that you may have a talk and you write down some of the things you hear tonight. This talk may not be for you tonight. This talk may be for you in two years. And you'll be surprised how God can use His Word and you'll open it back up again and you're right in the middle of the perfect time and the perfect place. And the note that you wrote will be the exact word that God has for you. I want to challenge you. Go down to some bookstore. I want to challenge you to get something that you can carry. Like something that's not a big old, like one person did it when I was when I used to be a pastor. I challenged them that the next day the guy walks in with like this like King James, like six pound, like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> you know, like that. And he had like Sharpies. I mean, they were just... I'm writing that in there. You know, it was this gigantic thing and smaller, smaller. All right. See if you can catch Paul's heart in this. What I am saying, this is Paul, is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In other words, some of you know what it's like when you're growing up and, and your parents are starting to give you more and more freedom. But when you're little, even though you're free, you still have all these rules. And really, you're not all that free. You have to tell them when you're going to be, where you're going to be. You have to kind of account for where you're going to be. Account, or like Jordan said last, last night, midnight, that was the hour that he had to be back. Verse 3, so also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. That's what he's saying. He's saying even though, even though that you, were, you were free, you're still subject to all these things, all these rules, all these ways of being. You're still living under that just like every single person in the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. That's you. That's me. That we might receive the full rights of sons, meaning that we are suddenly, truly, deeply free. Now you imagine this. For those of you who struggle with any kind of addiction, for those of you who have an image in your mind of what your body needs to look like to be okay, for those of you that know that a certain grade point level and your parents will accept you warmly and a certain grade point you are out. For those of you who know that getting into a certain school 
means you're okay. Not getting in means you're not. Imagine this. Imagine that suddenly God says, at the right time, through my son Jesus, on the cross, in his resurrection, bam, no more. You're free. And you can imagine it being like shackles falling off your arm. He can still do some of this stuff that you do. But you're not chained by it. You get it? Imagine that feeling. I remember when I went while I was in college. And my sister and I were good friends. And we decided we wanted to work together in a summer camp. And for me, it was kind of a way of not starving during the summer. Because I would eat nothing but um, Top Ramen all summer long. You know, where you start losing, like, you just start looking horrible. You know, people are like, Dave, you look sickly. You know, and I'm like, I oh, know, Top Ramen, that's all I've got, you know. Um, and uh, you want some? Go ahead. I've got boxes of it back there. Actually, you can't. I need that. You know? But we went there, and, and there was something about seeing these little kids. I had this little little camper named Danny, and Danny would have his hair, and he, every morning he'd wake up and just walk out no problem with no anything that he'd done with his hair at all, just completely a mess. And, and so we started saying, hey, Danny, you know what? If you're not going to comb it, can we do that for you? And he's like, sure. He's little, he was the littlest kid in the cabin, but easily the most popular kid. And, um, and so we gelled his hair straight up in a mohawk, just... <laughs> Solid, like it was just like a rock, you know, like sprayed, you know, all this kind of. And he just walked around like a champ. And I just remember this, you know, pretty soon, like by the lunchtime, like every other kid, you know, showed up with the full, you know. This is pre Fohawk days, too. So, I mean, it was big. I challenge you, some of you guys, you know, long hair, go for it. Big time. It was, uh, he was popular. Um, but, uh, None of those little stylish, little girly fohawks. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking, boom, get it up there, guys. Go for it. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for that one, I think. Um, so anyway, but there was this feeling in the air, and I don't know how to describe it for you. And if you've never gone and worked in a summer camp, I don't know if I can get it across. But there was suddenly something with all the pressure that I've been dealing with at school and all the things that I've been trying to do and the ways that in our house there was a certain pecking order and a measurement that was always on you. You had to look a certain way. You had to talk a certain way. You had to be a certain way. And suddenly it was like, all oh, that just did not matter. And there was this sense of freedom. When you'd look at these kids that just didn't care, all these measuring rods and all these lines that you had to get above and all these markings and all this kind of these, these kind of um, uh, uh, like sort of uh, uh, milestones, there was this sense that Jesus was going, man, life is, this is life, Dave. It's like these kids that just are laughing and being. And that was the time where I started, you know, I started listening to teachers and they would drive me crazy because they'd be so boring. You know, young life, their old phrase is it's a sin to bore someone with the gospel. I felt that. How can you bore somebody with this message that Jesus is not just a myth, is not just an idea, not just a set of values, but Jesus is God incarnate, come into the world knowing your name and saying, what's your name right there? Brian. Brian. Saying, Brian, I'm going to go to the cross for Brian. 
That's incredible. Paul's saying, you know that kind of freedom? You know that lightness? That's what Jesus has done. He goes on. He says, because you were son, God sent the spirit of his son. Now listen to this. He goes, he gets, he's, he's getting worked up here. He says, the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, which is like Daddy, Father. And no more is it this big formal idea. No more is it this, this foreign God up in, the, up, in the, up in the distance over there. Something that you go into the temple and only it's carved in stone. Now it's Daddy, Father. It's intimate. So you are no longer a slave. But a son, and since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather that you are known by God, I love that line, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God, can you imagine all your life, you're living in a Jewish society, and you are raised, if you are lucky enough, you're raised to study the Torah. And you're studying the law. And you're getting it down, you're getting it down, you're getting it down. You go into the temple, if you're a female, you you get stopped at a certain level. If you're a male, you get to go in a little bit more. If you're a Pharisee, you get to go in even a little bit more. If you're an elect amongst the the Pharisees, you get to go in even more. And if you're elected one out of all of those, that small little number of Pharisees, you might just get elected to go into what's called the Holy of Holies, which was the center of the temple. And if you go in there, you take your shoes off, you don't talk. And in there, they, they, they believe, was the dwelling, the actual dwelling place of the Lord. That's why when the temple got wiped out, there was all this confusion about well, where did God go? If that was his house and his house is destroyed, well, where did he go? Suddenly, imagine this. You're outside of the temple and suddenly says, you know what? It's no longer that you have to go through all these rings of the temple. Now you just go, Daddy. It's that kind of an intimate relationship that you've got now. Some of you were raised in a church where it felt like that. It felt like these dusty Bibles. And you know the smell of old church? It's so nasty. You know, you walk in there and it smells like old things. You know, old, old books, old people, old clothes, perfumes and colognes that they don't make anymore. Hair creams that they don't make anymore. Old. (laughs) And then he says this. He says, Now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. That would have been edited in my version. Paul just lets it be there. I feel like I've wasted my time. He says, I plead with you, brothers. Become like me, for I became like you. You've done me no wrong. As you know, I was, as you know, 
It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over. And he's talking about these Judaizers that, that uh, Jordan was talking about last, last, uh, last week. The Judaizers are the ones that are, that are trying to do what, what I think is such a great idea for the, for the sermon series is sort of Jesus and or Jesus plus. What they're doing is they're saying, yeah, Jesus, absolutely Jesus, absolutely Jesus, and circumcision. It's all good. Jesus, 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 absolutely Jesus, and studying the Torah. We're all good with Jesus and. We're all good with Jesus plus. We're all good with Jesus and your grades. We're all good with Jesus and how you look. We're all good. Jesus, 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 absolutely Jesus, 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 and how much money you make three years out of college. Absolutely. No problem with Jesus and. See, this was what he was like. You guys are missing it. It's coming in so deceptively you don't even see it. He goes, those people are, in verse 17, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous. It's okay to get worked up. It's okay to be passionate, he says, provided the purpose is good and to be, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. I think that was a pretty strong statement. I think he's saying, you guys are really ticking me off right now. Tell me who you want to be, who, tell me, you who want to be under the law. Are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Now this is where I just watch Paul just whipping it up. And either someone is right as fast as they can or Paul is just going nutty right now. He's going off right here. He goes, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, the other by a free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. But his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. He's talking about Hagar and Sarah. Sarai, because she, she eventually, Abram and Sarai eventually become renamed Abraham and Sarah. And basically what happens is Abraham is given a promise. And he's, he's, he, the, the promise is, is that you will have descendants on this land. This land I'm going to give to you and you will have descendants. Now Paul is getting into an argument. He's getting into a biblical the, theological argument here. And you go back, if you look, in uh, Genesis, 6, Genesis 17... Here's what's going on. He's taking, well, this is what, this is what commentators think. This is what, what, what they think is he's getting into what does it mean to be a true Jew now in light of Christ? Is it just Christ or do we do Christ and? Verse 4, 17 says, as for me, this is my, this is God speaking. As for me, this is my covenant with you. You, you will be the father of many nations. He's talking to Abram. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. After you for the generations to come. 
to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Now, there's a unilateral, it's what, what's, this is a one-way covenant. It's basically God saying, it doesn't matter what you do. This is me doing this for you. But, the other side is taking it down from uh, verse uh, 9. Then God said to Abraham, it's almost like he starts all over again. As for you, you must keep my covenant. You and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your households or brought with money from a foreigner. So what he's doing is he's getting into this theological, biblical argument with them. He comes down and he says, look, he goes, I know this story. He goes, Sarah, the promise is that she's going to have, she's going to give birth to a child. Well, that goes on and on and on and nothing happens. So eventually Sarah says, look, take my maidservant, Hagar, go have a child with her and that maybe that'll fulfill God's promise. He does, she gives birth and eventually Hagar starts looking at Sarah and kind of looking down on her. Sarah gets angry about it, goes back to Abraham and says, look, she's making my life miserable. Send her away. Abraham prays about it, sends her away. God eventually comes to Hagar and says, look, if you're not, not, not all is lost, I'm going to raise you up. Ishmael is her son, and she raises, raises him, him up. And then, but the, the, chosen, the chosen people is Isaac. Sarah gives birth to Isaac later on in fulfillment of the promise. So what he's saying is there's going to be a child of the flesh, which is Ishmael, and there's a child of the promise, which is Isaac. Thumbs up if you're with me. Are you tracking? Yeah? Okay. This is where he's getting heavy. He's just going like this. So to hang on, I'm with you. It's a little ADD. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for that one too. Okay. Um, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it was written that Abraham, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman, Hagar, was born in the ordinary way. But his son by the free woman, Sarah, was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively. For the woman represents, for the women represent two covenants. And this is where he's going to take this. And he says, that actually happened. But what was happening there was also a picture of what God is doing in the world. He goes, you guys are all going back to getting circumcised again. He goes, but you're missing the point here. He goes, there's a bigger thing that God was showing us in all of this. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears, and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At the same time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. What the prophecy was, was that Ishmael was going to raise, be raised up and would be contentious. That he would be at war with all of his neighbors.
It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son, Isaac. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. And I just like go. Okay. You guys done? Come on up. All right. Did you guys do it? Did you guys get it? Awesome. All right, good. I'm really looking forward to Greek Week 2008. Nice. Okay, here we go. Good. You're going to be good at this. Um, all right. So let's 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 go ahead. Let's see what you got. Can you can you, can you see? Okay, that's good. It's been a long time. These things. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I hear you. Okay, see what you can see what you guys can do. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Okay, here we go. What is it? Ooh, nice. Oh. No. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, okay. They want they want to do can we let them do it one more time? Go ahead, do it one more time. All right, let's see this thing. This was this was pretty hot. There we go. It's the Oh rock Oh <laughs> That is uh, that's the best one I've ever seen. I've done this analogy before, and I have never actually seen anyone actually take flight. So that was a, that was really good. Uh, let me see if I can try it, try it with you. What do I do? What do I do? Got right. this one, right. this one, Left. and then we go like this. Yep. And then what do I do? You go down, and I jump over. <laughs> All right. And then what do I do? One. Oh, two. And then what do I do? Top, top gun high five. Oh yeah. That was good. Now, now let's just imagine we've got our club, and I've learned the secret handshake. It's hard to pull off in the middle of a public place, but we do. do it all. They don't know what we're doing, but we do our secret handshake. And imagine that, imagine that I go through this, and I get into their club, and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, I don't want to do that handshake anymore. I, I don't like chest bumping so much. Um, but I still want to be in the club. You know, is it okay if I still kind of just, just be in there? And every time, you know, we, we see each other, I'm just going to go one, two. That'll be our new handshake, okay? You know, it's like up, down. That'll be our... Well, you can imagine that these two would write. You just got it. After all that work, right, you see what she did automatically? All of a sudden, she's moving over. She's going, uh-uh, we had to work all that to get our secret handshake, and you're just going to come up and give us the one, two? That's not going to, that's not going to do it. So we go along and I keep trying to, you know, hi, how are you? And yep, that's exactly what I get. She's like, no, I don't think so. So eventually, okay. And then eventually, what am I going to do? I'm going to do the handshake. Absolutely. Thanks. Let's give them a handshake. There's two things that we can pull from this very, very complicated piece of scripture, I think. The first is that when it comes to our core significance and our salvation, we go back to what we know plus Jesus. I'll give that to you one more time. When it comes to our core significance and our salvation, we go back to what we know, plus Jesus. That's a human tendency that Paul is addressing. 
you imagine the pressure that these Jewish people would face. You think it's a handshake? They got a dress code. They've got bodily operations. Your first child is born and you're saying, you know what, I don't, I don't think I'm going to have him circumcised. I'm not doing the handshake. I'm just going to not. We've talked about it. My wife and I. We've just decided we're going to kind of let him go clean. We're just no circumcision for our new little boy. But we still like to be involved. We'd like to still be ushers at our local temple. Is that okay? Is that all right? You can imagine this kind of like, you're going to do what? You're not going to, you're not going to memorize the handshake? You know? Little Abraham? You're not going to circumcise him? Nah. No, we don't need to. See, we're free in Christ. Christ came down. Christ lived. Christ died. Christ was resurrected. And that's, that's all we need. I, I was listening to Paul. He, he said it. We're good. We don't have to do any of that stuff. We're, we're free from underneath the law. We don't have to live up to any more of the societal standards that we've been living by for so long that have chained us like shackles. We don't have to do it. They've been broken free. Why? Because Christ, God incarnate, died on the cross, beat death, was raised, thereby liberating us. We don't have to do it. No more circumcision. So we're just going to let them fly, fly free. It's awesome. No handshake. You can imagine what starts happening. You watch what Marissa did. All of a sudden, oh, really? Okay. And there's that coldness. You felt it. She did a good job. I didn't coach her on that either. It was perfect. Exactly what I wanted. Because you know that you face that. Whether it's your family or where you live, you know that there's a set of code that if you break it, you know the consequence for that. We've all got it. I've got it. And some of those are good. I'm not saying that having codes are not good. It's when we tie them to our core significance and our salvation that they go awry and become enslaving again. It is fine for me to get a good grade point, but if I tie that grade point to my core significance and my salvation, I don't matter. When I talk about salvation, you can think of it this way. You can think of it as being your father saying, your soul is eternally welcome in this house. So some of you know what it's like to work for eternal salvation, and some of you know what it's like to work for for salvation in your very own home. Where no one ever said anything, but you knew that when you didn't get that grade that measured, you saw the coldness. From a mother or father that went to what school, that got what grades, that are doing what, and your job is, no, they're not going to say it, but you know that pressure, that feeling that you will only be welcomed eternally into our house when you measure up to the standards that we have set before you. It's not a problem to meet these things if you're doing it as a free person. But when you take your core significance and you take your salvation and you put it to Jesus and this is when Paul is going, what are you doing? Don't you remember that feeling when you knew that it was just Jesus? That your core significance, who you are, 
the way you're knit together, your quirks, your strengths, the things that you do so well like nobody else can do, that none of that will ever, 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 say it with me, ever, 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 give you one shred more significance at your core. And will not earn you one shred of salvation that you don't already have. What Paul is saying is this, is that for whatever reason, sin in the world, there's brokenness in the world, there's a current, and this current's pulling you. This current's pulling you. And you're going to have that experience. You're going to have that someday. You're going to work at a camp or you're going to have, go on a retreat or you'll be in a small group or you'll be having a conversation with Ryan or Janie or you're going to be walking and doing something and suddenly you're going to experience that lightness, that sense of God going, you are so free. You are so loved. I like you so much. I know you. I know everything about you. I, you, are not, you don't just know me. You are known by me. You're going to have that experience and you're going to walk and go, oh my gosh, I'm free. And we're going to breathe, just like you're up in the mountains and getting that great fresh air. And you're going to walk. And what he's saying is, get ready, because the world is going to start compelling you. The world is going to start pulling you. And it's going to start getting you to come back to what you know, plus Jesus, as a way of attaining your core significance and your salvation. Legalism is when you take that measurement and you apply it to somebody else. So now it's not just about you. It's not just about you making sure you hit that mark. It's about you looking at somebody else and saying, you got to do it too. We all got to do it. And we do it. We make sure we do it. And now we've got our club with our secret handshake and the things that we do plus Jesus. And the people that say, you know what, I thought it was just Jesus. We look at them. Not dressed like that, it's not. Not working at McDonald's, it's not. Be honest. You've been to Dick's, McDonald's, where have you been? And you look down on the person that was serving you fries? you got to meet my standards. Can't work like that. Can't dress like that. Can't talk to me like that. you got to meet the standards. Why? Because I did. Why? Because my parents did. We all did. It's Jesus plus this. What Paul is saying is that for some reason, the pull of the world is going to pull you back. And what he's saying is, don't let it. Don't let it. Don't go back. Remember who you are. You are a son, a daughter of the living God, not a slave. That no matter what pressure you feel, you need to come back into this this place of prayer where you can cry out, Abba, Father, you know what? I've taken the old thing that I used to measure myself by and I've started putting it on myself again. Lord, I can feel the tension. It's not just about getting a good grade anymore. I know that this is stressful. This isn't just about this test. This is about me measuring up and counting core significance. This is about me gaining eternal salvation with my parents. Lord, set me free. Let me walk as you've made me, a free son, a free daughter. I'll work hard, but no more. 
And at the end of the day, if I get a good grade or a bad grade on that test, and by the way, people, if you want to, if you want to set grades up to be the way that you get enslaved, don't think it ends with school. You can always find a place that will give you a grade. It'll be your next boss. It'll be your next place of employment. Trust me that there is an endless line of places waiting to grade you. If it's success, I promise you, there is an endless line of places that are waiting to serve just that purpose for you. They'll be the new mark. They'll give you the new mark that you have to achieve. It'll never, ever end. We're just going to work for a few years, get to this certain place, and then we'll be free. God says, no, there's not. That's not true. Because this world will suck you. This world will pull you, and you will become enslaved again. And the second thing this passage tells us is that when that happens, you will slowly find yourself less and less joyful. He says, what happened to your joy? Do you remember that time when I was puking all over your floors? Remember how free you felt? See, that's the crazy thing, is that I think these moments, you guys, between you and I, they come in these little unscripted moments where God reminds us of our joy and our freedom. For me, a lot of times it comes through my niece, Sonia. I just love her because she walks around and she is in this state, a place right now. She just turned five. And she's in her princess or her fairy state right now. She loves fairies. That's her big deal. So she has no problem going to church, big wings, strapped right on the back. <laughs> What's up? How you doing? Going to be sitting down and wearing a Christmas dress. I'm just going to sit down with my wings and my Christmas dress right here in church. And she's just happy as a clam. Just not care. And everybody else is like, Cool, fairy wings. You know, like everybody else kind of just accepts it. It's so great. You know, she just kind of lives that. That joy, those unscripted moments. Danny with his mohawk. What's yours? What is that moment where you've had all the world just kind of hushed for a minute, unscripted, and somehow it doesn't look all that spectacular, but you just get that inner sense in your core that God is saying, just me. You're free. Just me. You're free. Where I learned this, you guys, I'll I'll tell you, I speak this to myself too. Because I can get into that. I can start doing counseling or when I was doing ministry. And I can get mine through how big is the program. Or how well did each session go? And now those things are good things. But when I start tying them to my core significance, and when I start tying them to my salvation, Jesus plus how good I'm doing, I start feeling the stress and the pressure. The shackles come back on. And so I have to be reminded too. You know who reminded me? I've got this this gal that I that's uh, one of my clients, and um, she's been through a background that I can't even begin to imagine. And I won't say any details right now, but I asked her. Actually, I have actually asked her if I could share this, and she said I could. But there were there were there were things that happened with her stepdad, friends of her stepdad. They were just horrific. And so the way that she has learned to cope with this is to become perfect. And everything in her world is perfect. Everything is just ordered, just so. If you were to go to her and see her in her work, you would be amazed at what she's done. 
you would be amazed at the level of what she's done with the level of education she's had, with the support she's had, the levels that she's raised. You would be amazed. I'm amazed. And it wasn't until she finally had a break. It's like her body, mind, spirit just gave out. She said, Dave, I had this moment. I was walking when it was snowing. Remember that? Big old snow. Everything shuts down, but it all got so slow. Everybody kind of slowed down for a bit. She says, I was out walking in the snow, and it was one of these days where it was just sunny out, and the shadows were kind of cast down along the snow. She goes, I was walking, and I was feeling all this pressure, these shackles, that my core significance, that my salvation were Jesus absolutely, but Jesus plus perfection. And she said, I had this visual prayer. I don't know about you, but I love praying in pictures. Sometimes it's easier for me than words. She said, I have this picture of Jesus. And he said, just me. You're free. Two feet in. Just me. Pictured, her, pictured Jesus just looking right at her. He had that smile. It's not shaming. It's kind of like, I know you. I know who you are. Here's what I want to tell you. Just me. You are free. Both feet in. And what she felt like God was saying was, no more one foot in this world and one foot in that world. No more one foot in Jesus, absolutely, and one foot in I'll be measured and earn everything and gain my significance through whatever bar has been set for me and that I've agreed to. No more. He said, you're free. Just me. Two feet in. And she says, Dave, what I did, she goes, I'm all by myself. She goes, I felt a little crazy. She goes, but what I did was I just sort of stood where I was and I went. She said, I just took this deep breath. It's just two feet in. Just me, you're free, you're free, both feet in. My challenge, you guys, for all of us, and what I think Paul is saying is, what's getting you back? What's pulling you back? What's pulling you back to your one foot here, one foot somewhere else, where you're trying to earn two salvations just instead of just one? Let me rephrase that. Where you're trying to earn a salvation rather than receive a salvation that's been given to you, where you're free. What's gotcha? My challenge to you is to take her prayer. Imagine Jesus looking at you, calling you by your first name. Brian, just me. You're free. Two feet in. Take a breath. God, thanks for every person in this room. And Lord, I do pray for all of us. I pray that we would all have the experience of the joy and the freedom when all is lifted. That we would all recognize the pull to go back to what we know plus Jesus when it comes to our core significance and our salvation. And I do pray that not just once, but over and over and over again as the world pulls us back, 
that will step again and hear you, see you, saying to us, just me, you're free, two feet in. And we take the step back, take a breath, and then walk in that freedom. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.